Uh, good morning everyone. It's good to see and to be with you again. God is a future and a hope for all of us. You know, that's wonderful. He had a, a future and a hope for Moses. And we're going to read about this in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was in fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from inside the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Wasn't that a tremendous passage of scripture? And uh, it's a great story, the story of Exodus. There's a family with a problem. That's how it starts. And there's a mother with a plan. Because it was the purpose to, to kill off the Hebrew children, the Hebrew boys. Um, and she had a plan. She was going to save her boy. And she made a little ark of bulrushes and put them in the river. And you had a baby here with a protector. You know, God loves babies. <laughs> and he protects babies. The Lord was with Moses. Wonderful. Amen. That God looked after the baby. Um, and he cares for us as well. And so God called him. God called Moses out of the bush, which had spontaneously ignited. Bushes did that in the desert, but they, did. they usually burned themselves out very quickly, but this one didn't. Um, God had a special purpose to speak to Moses from the burning bush and to call him into service. God has something for you to do. 
and he's something for me to do. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we might be healed, forgiven, cleansed, and put into service for him. And you say, oh me, I'm not, look at me, I'm not very good, I'm not very clever, I'm not very good looking, and all that sort of stuff. And God says, I've got a purpose, I've got a plan for your life. And he had for Moses, and this morning what I want to do is look at the excuses that Moses put up for not serving God, and try and apply them to ourselves. The making of the man Moses. God made Moses, it tells us in the Bible. And at the end of his lifetime, which was about 120 years old, he said, I've only begun to know God and his ways. And no matter how long we've been in the Christian pathway, we can always say, I've only begun. See, I decided to speak this morning on Exodus chapter 3 and 4, and next week on Exodus chapter 5. Moses talks here to God about his call, and Pharaoh's talk about God next week. And so this morning, uh, I've not been sleeping very well, and I got up about half past four this morning, and I put on the television, and there was a program called The Plagues of Egypt. <laughs> On the television this morning, we're showing the archaeologists that confirmed all these passages here about the plagues of Egypt. It was absolutely amazing. That's absolutely, God's absolutely spot on there. And how did he know I was going to speak on Exodus chapter 3 this morning? And so, he makes excuses. God was making the man. He spent 40 years learning them to be a somebody. He got an expensive private education funded by the state in Egypt we're talking about 3,500 years ago we don't know who the pharaoh was it was probably Sethos the first or Ramesses the second during whose reign tremendous building projects went on and the Hebrew slaves built most of the stuff they were sort of the equivalent of the Irishmen in the 3500 BC. Um, they built these fantastic store cities of Python and Ramesses. And he spent 40 years learning to be a somebody in the, the court of Pharaoh. He's probably educated by an army, an ex-army man, because there was a school for the children of the harem. Um, the, the rich and powerful in Egypt would go up to the north to the delta area to hunt ducks and fish and all that sort of stuff and uh, they had sort of pleasure places as well they, were a bit, they had harems and they were, bit, they were a bit harem scarem the Egyptians you know and uh, the children of the harem were educated in the schools run by the military and that's where Moses was brought up and he was brought up in all the learning of Egypt, it tells us in the, in the letter to the Hebrews. God spent 40 years with him, teaching him how to be a somebody as far as the state and the world was concerned. And then, God spent 40 years teaching him to be a nobody. Ahar Hamidbar in the back of the desert, he went there. And to give him a bit of real education, he gave him a stack of sisters-in-law. <laughs> and that educated him, you know. He met all these lasses by the well, you know, it tells us all about it. Um, the daughters of Jethro. Whoa. 
What a pile of lasses they were. Seven daughters. And that would knock him into shape, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and he was looking after the flock. And he was looking after the girls. And he was watching out for himself. Forty years he spent at that. That's the second phase of his life. Forty years learning to be a nobody. Learning to be a somebody. Forty years learning to be a nobody. Because he had tried to deliver his people in Egypt. One day he saw an Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting and he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. That's the kind of man God uses. <laughs> a man of conviction and spirit. <laughs> and then he ran for his life because he was a coward gustard as well. And he went away. God led him into the desert. And he spent the third 40 years learning what God can do with a nobody. What God can do. You know, we don't, we've no idea what God can do. And sometimes folks say about working among Muslims, for example, what a waste of manpower sending folk there. We've got all these missionaries, we've had them for years and years, and look at what happens. We get no results. And so God sends them to us. <laughs> and they come and live here. And we've got a mission field sent to us from God. And uh, so it's absolutely wonderful how God used Moses and, and how he uses folk. There was a man called Albert Schweitzer. Have you ever heard of him? He was a triple PhD. He was a, a, a PhD in medicine, a PhD in music, and a PhD in mathematics. And where did he go? He went to an African village to burn out his life in the service of God. And he was a humble man. He, was a, he had brains. He'd forgotten things we never learned. <laughs> An amazing guy. And he was in America being feted and had the red carpet out and the, a big uh, retinue of officials like they have for the Singapore meetings just now. And uh, there was no fights and they were supposed to be in that train and the Americans are all in a bit of a tiz was what's happening here. Well what was happening was here comes an old lady off the train and here comes Schweitz, uh, Albert Schweitzer walking behind her carrying her cases. <laughs> and that's the kind of man he was. There was a gold medalist in, me in medicine who went out with the RBMU to Zaire and spent his life in a village, I think it was called Joseki, in Zaire, built a hospital, served God so faithfully. And God used them. God can take people and use them in astonishing ways. You know, we marvel in the worldly sense. You know, yesterday we've got Queen Cathy here, but yesterday we had King Kenny. Kenny Dalgleish, she went to our school, played in the same team as I did, although he was much later than I was, and a slightly better footballer than I was. And he <laughs> But think of King Kenny. King Kenny doesn't—he doesn't boast about his charity work. He's got a place up in the islands. He funds it entirely every year. He goes up one day a year. He fundraises and looks after it. And you think of what a wonderful thing it would be if God took more folk like him and used their money for His glory and said all the stuff you see in the razzmatazz in the newspapers. Um, 
God can use anybody. And he took this man Moses. Moshe. He was drawn out of the water. That's his name. Moshe. We called him Moshe. Saying. She named him Moses. Saying. I drew him out of the water. Chapter 2 verse 10. And so God calls him. His abortive earlier attempt to deliver his people. Was a bit of a flop really. Um, But here God is going to stop him. The fires of his energy to help his Jewish fellow nation folk had died down and damped down. And and here he is when God calls him. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He brought an excuse. We bring excuses all the time for not serving God. I'm not important enough that's the first one chapter 3 verse 11 I'm not important enough who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt and God gives them all the answers every time he brings up an excuse in this passage it's a wonderful passage of scripture every time he brings up an excuse an excuse God blows it away first one who am I well you might think who am I that I should serve God that I should do some work of deliverance in the name of the Lord Jesus I'm not important enough and God says (laughs) verse 12 (laughs) and God said I will be with you. That's the main thing, isn't it? Doesn't matter who you are, as long as God is with you. You know, when Gladys Aylward was taking the hundred orphans uh, from the pursuing Japanese armies to take them across the Yellow River, um, there was to, there was promised to a ferry and a ferry boat man to take them across the Yellow River and they get to the edge of the Yellow River where they were told to go no ferry boat you know and one of the children said to Gladys Aylward do what Moses did Gladys wave your stick over the water and he'll make that place clear for you to walk through and uh, Gladys Aylward said to the wee girl but I'm not Moses and she said but God is still God God is still God he can use you I'm not important enough does it matter who you are so long as I am with you God says and then there's a second excuse Uh, you've got it in chapter 3 and verse uh, 13 Uh, God says uh, says, I don't know God well enough who am I going to say send me I haven't a clear definition (laughs) you know the God of your fathers has sent me to them they ask me what is his name then what shall I tell them I don't know God well enough you know 
You don't need to be terribly clever to be God's servant. You just need to be you in the place of need. And God can use you. Absolutely. I don't know God well enough. Well, God answers him back and blows away the excuse in chapter uh, 3. What shall I tell them? Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. Esherayah. Esher. He said, I am who I am. Esher. Yahweh. I am. It's some part of the verb to be. We think it's the causative mood of verb hayato be. And it means, well, one of the Jewish translations is, He causes to be what comes into existence. In other words, I, I'm the creator God. I'm your resource at this time. I'm the creator God. And I'm the crisis God. In any crisis, God can come to you. And God can help use you to help others. Isn't that wonderful? <coughs> I am that I am. Is the, is the creator God and is the covenant God. Um, sorry, is the crisis God. Is the covenant God as well. That's the covenant name of God. It's the most frequently used name for God in the Old Testament. It's used over 6,000 times. Yahweh probably is the correct pointing of it originally. And the reason is that it was such a holy name, um, they used Adonai rather than Yahweh to use God's name. I don't know God well enough. You must learn to know me better, God says. You must learn to know me better. The self-creating, self-sustaining God in relationship who can always be trusted in any situation in which you find yourself, even when it's very difficult. A lady in Edinburgh, she tried to commit suicide, flung herself in front of a train. I know what a mess she was in. And I went into hospital to visit her because she was dying. And uh, oh, the nurse wouldn't let me in because I didn't have a clerical collar on. I said, if I'd been sporting a clerical collar, you would have let me in without question. I said, it so happens, I'm God's servant for this lady. I said, and if you don't let me in, I'll go and make trouble for you. I don't want to make trouble for you. I just want to go and see the lady. I want to read the Bible to her. I want to pray to her because the last thing that goes is your hearing. And I want to pray with her. Will you let me do that? So she let me in. She relented. Because God was with me. And that lady was able to hear the gospel before she died. That's the second excuse. First one. I'm not important enough. Second one. I don't know God well enough. Here's the third excuse. I won't be believed enough. Chapter 4 verse 1. That would be always our doubt at times. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? I won't be believed enough. And God says in verses 2 to 9, when you read about it, God gives them signs. God will confirm, He says, I will confirm your authority 
with God-given signs of my presence. I will confirm your authority with God-given signs. And so Moses says, look, I won't be believed enough. And God says, I'll confirm your authority with God-given signs of my presence. And when the Lord didn't appear to you. So he says, what's that in your hand, a staff? The Lord said, throw it in the ground. And, and there's a, a series of mirac- miraculous things happen. Um, put your hand inside your cloak. And when he took it out, it was leprous. Absolutely amazing. God gave him. He says, "Pull your hand out again." It was like it was like normal flesh. And the Lord said, "If they don't believe you, or pay attention to the miraculous sign. They may believe the second one. If they do not believe these two signs, or listen to you." Um, and God confirmed. He confirmed his authority with God-given signs of his presence. And so that was his third excuse. And his fourth excuse was, I can't speak well enough. Verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and heavy of tongue. You know, that's just, I think that's the Hebrew text. I'm slow of speech and heavy of tongue. I can't speak well enough. And once again, God would blow away his excuse. Blow away his excuse. I can't speak well enough. You know, God can raise up folk to speak for him who are very unlikely. I can't speak well enough. And God says to him, verses 11, I love this, the Lord says to him, Who gave man his mouth? <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight about hell and care or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He says, I can't speak well enough. And God says, as the author of man's speech, I will make it equal to its purposes of revelation. When Bill Gulveer went to learn French, <laughs> they gave him English lessons at the BTI. He was brought up in, the, in Glasgow and they gave him English lessons. And then he went to, to France and he went to language school and he did exams and he passed and there were doctors failing <laughs> the exams. God made him equal to the task. David Livingston, first time David Livingston preached for the Missionary Society, do you know what he did? He ran out the door halfway through the sermon. And I'm so glad they gave him a second chance. And when he went to Africa, the Africans loved him. And he preached the gospel to the Africans. Not like a whole lot of folks say about him. He was a fine priest. He died on his knees praying for the Africans. That was David Livingston. You know the Africans? Well, Africans carried his body 1,200 miles to the coast so he could go home and be buried in his own country. And you know what the Africans said about him? He was white all through. I love that. It meant we thought this man was cleansed by God and equipped for service. God says, 
I'll make your speech evil to its purpose. Then the final one, very quickly. I can't get involved enough, you know. Verse 13. Oh Lord, please send somebody else, you know. That's what it says. Lord, please send someone else to do it. I can't get involved enough. And that's the classic excuse. I can't get involved enough. Keep back. Keep back. Keep out of it. It's none of your business. When a man blasphemes the name of Jesus at a football ground, what are you going to do? The lovely name of Jesus uses a cuss word. What are you going to do? Speak up. And in this case, God's, God answers him beautifully. He says, I will achieve my purposes for you. I'm going to dilute your usefulness, but I'm going to give you a colleague because I recognize you need one. So he gave him here on to be with him. And it's wonderful in Christian work to have colleagues to work with. I'll give you a colleague Aaron, even if it means diluting your authority. So God wants to use us. He's got a plan for your life. You might have a ministry of prayer. You might have a ministry of witnessing. You might have a ministry of preaching. You might have a witness of, uh, <coughs> a ministry among children, among Muslims. Who knows? God wants to use you. Use Moses. Use you. Come back next week for the next thrilling episode and, and we'll talk about uh, what Pharaoh said about God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the inspiration of Scripture. Thank you you've made it equal to its purpose of speaking to our hearts and lives. Thank you for the Lord Jesus who came to die to make it possible for us to be your servants. Help us to serve you to the hilt. For Jesus' sake. Amen.